Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for March 23rd, 2018. Coming off uh, another kind of tanktastic end to the NBA season. Dennis Schroeder was a late scratch for Thursday's game. Surprisingly, we, we called that one. We, said, we called Dennis Schroeder a fade because we thought that there was a good chance he gets rested. Um, I don't know how much conviction I really had when we said that. I think that it was half serious, half true, but we ended up being right. We got it right. Dennis Schroeder, Dennis Schroeder didn't play, and he's like 40% on tonight. So that went. That was a that was a good call by us. Although, I, how how uh, how serious were you in thinking that Schroeder was going to get uh, sat on Thursday? Well, I mentioned Isaiah Taylor and Tyler Dorsey as potential plays on the podcast under the assumption that Schroeder was risky. I think I was more saying that his minutes would be lower. I wasn't really confident he'd rest, but if you would have said over under 28 minutes for Schroeder, I would have said under, partially because it was a potential for zero and also because I thought he might just like play the first half and sit the second half because the Hawks really need to lose to the Kings. Like it's it's a it's a tank. Very important. <laughs> It's a tank off. Yeah, they, one of them needs to lose. I, I guess they're both trying to lose. If They're at halftime right now. I've been watching some of the game. Uh, they're playing like they want to lose. Lots of backups. The rotations look bad, and the players are very, very bad. Um, yeah, I'm a little surprised that he rested. I probably would have said like 20% chance he doesn't play at all, but I did think that it was a, it was a good chance that he would play at least less than normal minutes. Yeah, and the, the other thing, too, is... This is just another example of why you should be cautious with bankroll at this time of year. It's There's a lot of weird... Like, we did get this one right, except there's going to be a lot of times where you're just not going to be able to guess when somebody just randomly sits. So, if I, I tend to either play very light or not play at all this time of year, and I, I think that's the best course of action with just so much weird shit going on. Uh, but getting to Friday slate, like 10 games. The first game is the Clippers at the Pacers. From the Clippers' side of the game, I think Tobias Harris is usable if I had to play somebody at 7,400. DeAndre Jordan all the way up to 8,400. He did a monster game last time out. People might want to roster him because of how good he was. Went at pretty high ownership against the Bucs, but tougher matchup and a lot higher own. So I think that DeAndre Jordan, not a very good play for this price and this matchup. From... The Pacer side of the game, uh, I think Oladipo is fine to roster at 8,200. Uh, outside of that, Darren Collison's price has gone up now. Miles Turner's way up and has a fairly tough matchup against Jordan. Uh, Thaddeus Young been playing, has been playing extra minutes, but he's priced up. So just Oladipo at 8,200. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think Bogdanovich actually at 4,300 is worth playing. And then... Yeah, I think it's just Oladipo. Um, I, I I will definitely agree with you, though, on proceeding with caution for any plays. Anything that we're recommending, take it with a grain of salt right now because there's just so much unpredictability. I guess there's no reason to expect the Clippers and Pacers to rest anyone, but a lot of things that we don't expect have been happening lately. Uh, I think this game is very little, very little rest potential, but it's not zero. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a lower risk game also both teams are playing for something so i think at this time of year that that's the optimal situation to target is a team where a game where both sides have something to play for that uh minimizes the blowout risk and the risk of just players randomly being sat uh next game on the slate another one where both teams have something to play for the denver nuggets at the washington wizards uh i think that nikola Jokic at 9300 he is uh 
I think that's a usable price for him. I don't think that it's some great value or anything, except he's a fine guy to pay up for. From the Wizards side of the game, Otto Porter at 6,600. Uh, that's a little down for him in what's a pretty decent matchup against the Nuggets. Typically, I I think of wing players as a tough matchup coming up against Denver, except not really the case with Gary Harris out right now. And then we also have Markeith Morris at 5,200. He's kind of been a boom-bust play this year, but he's had to play more minutes recently. And then we also have Mike Scott questionable to play tomorrow. So if the backup power forward's out, and that's more minutes security for Markeith Morris. So what do you think of this game, Matt? Yeah, the other player that I'm looking at that you haven't mentioned yet is Bradley Beal, who just hasn't produced many fantasy points in recent games. He's actually not even shooting poorly. Um, 13 field goal attempts and 12 field goal attempts in his last two games, both of which he played over 30 minutes. So I I don't know what's going on with Beal, but theoretically this should be an improvement in the matchup with Gary Harris out. It is a home game, so we can, I guess, always mention the splits for Wizards players. Beal at home is much better. Um, some of those recent games have been road games, but even a couple days ago at home against Indiana, he shot 50% from the field, but still only managed 34 and a half fantasy points. Um, I, I guess, I think the Wizards are all kind of fairly priced, but Otto Porter and Markeith Morris do seem to have some pricing value, and I think Jokic does too. Um, maybe a little bit of value on Jamal Murray and Will Barton, but I don't think anyone in this game is that much more than a fringe play. Uh, I think there are a bunch of usable guys, but no one that I'd be that excited about. Yeah, that's uh, no like real pricing value there. I just think that there's some okay plays. Uh, the next game on the slate, and I think I know what you're going to say here about the Brooklyn Nets, is that not as much blowout risk as people would think, uh, but still a pretty substantial amount of blowout risk. Even with uh, the Nets being a generally undervalued team, Toronto favored by 12.5, even if we were to say that the line is potentially a little bit too high, Toronto's still very good. They're probably the best team in the Eastern Conference. And the Nets, while better than people think, still not an above-average team. At best, they're probably close to average. So I think this is a tough spot for them to keep the game close compared to some of the other ones where we've seen them play like against the Cavs. And people have thought that's a game of blowout risk, and we would say that the Nets should be able to keep that game close. I, I think that this could definitely potentially be a blowout. So from the Nets side of the game... Maybe D'Angelo Russell is worth rostering at 6,400. He wouldn't be a primary target, but I think there's some upside in him. And then the Raptors side of the game, I think there's other guys I would just prefer to pay up for. What do you think about the blowout risk in this game? Well, I do think it's less than people realize. That's certainly true. So you're right in predicting that I would say that. Uh, the line opened at 13, and I think you said it's it's a 12.5. I think it's actually showing at 12 in some places. 12.5 or 12. Uh, so the line has moved already in the Nets' favor the night before the game, which has basically been true of Nets games for the entire season, but especially since they got healthy. Having said that, the Raptors aren't priced down for the blowout risk. If they were, then I think I'd be more inclined to try to stack the game with Lowry or DeRozan and then D'Angelo Russell with one of them as like kind of a mini stack. But the pricing on the Raptors guys is kind of just the same as always. So even though you might be able to get them a little lower owned because of the perceived blowout risk. There isn't really any pricing value here. So it's go contrarian and use use more players from the game than other people are, or just kind of faded, and there really isn't that much upside for it anyway. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the game stays close and one of, DeLau uh, one of DeRozan and Lowry had a huge game, but you do kind of have to guess which one that's going to be. 
And you can't really stack the Nets because their minutes are so spread around. So I don't think a mini stack of Russell with either DeRozan or Lowry is a terrible idea. Um, but I don't I don't feel particularly good about it either. All right. So moving ahead, we have the Phoenix Suns, the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's tough to know what to make of the Suns because we have Devin Booker and TJ Warren both questionable to play. Uh I think that either of them would be fine plays if they're starting, especially if TJ Warren's out. I think Booker's a really good play. If Booker's out and Warren's in, I think Warren would be a good play. But it's just really a lot of speculation right now. It's hard to it's hard to know with their two best players questionable who there is to target from the team. Uh, Alex Len at 4,600 I think is a good GPP target with upside. Uh, 4,600 for Alex Len, he produces really well per minute. It's a good matchup against the Cavs. We saw Alex Len have a really big game last time out. And Tyson Chandler, it looks like he's going to be out for the year, so that would mean Len should be starting for the foreseeable future. From the Cavs side of the game, uh, we have Larry Nance Jr., Rodney Hood, and Tristan Thompson all questionable to play. So another team where we don't really know what their starting lineup is going to look like. Uh, I think that LeBron, Kevin Love both definitely have upside in a game against the Suns, but what do you think about the blowout risk in this game? Okay, the blowout risk in this game is certainly higher than the Raptors-Nets game. Uh, we don't have a line for it yet, but I'm going to guess... Well, it's kind of hard to say what it'll be because we don't know the status of TJ Warren or Devin Booker, but even... Or Larry Nance or Rodney Hood. Right, we don't know the status of most of the key players. We do know that LeBron's playing, or at least we assume that LeBron's playing. Who knows? And he's the most important one. Yes, uh, I think LeBron is definitely the most important one. Um, yeah, there's a lot of blowout risk. I think the spread could probably be easily double digits, maybe even a bit higher than that, like 15 or so. Not suggesting it's three digits, if that's how uh, that comment was perceived. But more than 10, for sure. 112, they should be favored by. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they'll win by quite that much. But they should win pretty easily. Um, it is a good matchup for the Suns, because the Cavs are bad defensively. It should be an up-tempo game. So the safest play is probably one of Booker or Warren if the other one is out, and Josh Jackson if both are out. But Jackson is pretty expensive, so even though he'd have a high floor, I don't know if there's that much ceiling for him at his price now. Uh, Alex Len is probably a good play. He also gets a boost. Um, I think I mentioned this last game that the Suns played. If TJ Warren's out, then the Suns just don't have enough, or they don't have as many players to go small ball. So that would mean more minutes security for Alex Len. Um, I guess sometimes they play TJ Warren at the four and then they play Bender at center, but without Warren, then I guess you get more like Bender Len lineups or Chris Len lineups or Chris Bender lineups. So it's just more minutes floor for those guys and just more minutes to go around in general. And then the other player from the Suns that's potentially interesting is Alfred Payton, who's all the way down to 5,300, but that is, that is definitely a very risky pick because Payton just isn't doing anything lately. Uh, I think he he makes for a decent contrarian option for tournaments, and that's probably all I'll say about him because he's he's way cheaper than he was, and he was putting up forty or fifty point fantasy games for a while when the Suns first got him. So it's not like that's out of the question. It's just you you definitely are guessing to try to predict that at this point. Yeah, and the other thing too is he's playing poorly. The minutes are down, and he's been doing it with Booker out, which makes it even weirder. Like, I, I don't know how they haven't been able to find, like, 25 minutes in some games for Alfred Payton when Devin Booker's not. It's happened, so not really any explanation for that. Uh, next game on the slate, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the New York Knicks. 
Uh, both sides of this game I find just pretty uninteresting. Towns has had some really big games recently, except he is pretty significant home road splits. From the Knicks side of the game, Tim Hardaway has been playing pretty consistent minutes, except it's kind of been spread out everywhere else. Uh, Beasley has definitely had some big games, except uh, Lance Thomas, I believe, is expected to come back and play today, and he's been out. So that could mean that Beasley goes back to a bench roll. So for for me, if Beasley starts, he'd be okay as a GPP option. But other than that, I, I don't think there's a lot to see in this game. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot to see in this game either. Um, there's upside for Beasley, but the minutes, I guess, you just you just don't know what's going to happen there. And I think the same can be said for Ennis Kanter. Um, there's, well, I guess we don't have to worry much about blowout risk for the Wolves ever because... They never take their starters out, but it just this this isn't a game with much pricing value. I guess is the problem. It's just kind of fair across the board. You can take some flyers on the Knicks guys at low ownership and hope they play extra minutes, but I don't I don't really think there's any pricing value here at all. Yeah, and then the uh, that that is the one the one thing you said which is true, which we've said before, is that with blowout risk with the Timberwolves, it just doesn't exist. Last game they were up twenty points and. The I, I don't remember who they were playing, but they were up 20 points in the fourth quarter. The other team took their starters out with six and a half minutes left. Towns was in until the final whistle, basically. So any game, Timberwolves, there is no pullout risk to be seen there, but not that's not the reason I'm avoiding them anyway. Uh, next game on the slate, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Chicago Bulls. From the Bucks side of the game, uh, Giannis is expected to miss the game. He's doubtful after rolling his ankle in their last game. So I think a lot of people look at Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton and say, hey, a lot of extra usage and some extra usage. Except their on-off-court numbers for this year are not going to be very indicative of what they've done this season because Jabari Parker is there now. So Parker's a pretty high-usage player. He's not going to use up quite as much offense as Giannis did, except Bledsoe and Middleton aren't going to see the same boost that they did earlier in the year when Giannis didn't play. So to me, Bledsoe at 8,000 and Middleton at 8,300, it's too expensive for them. And I think that Parker 5,400 is a pretty reasonable play. He's averaging about a fantasy point per minute this year and figures to play over 30 minutes in this game because they did get they allowed him to get to 30 minutes last game with Giannis out. So 5,400 for Parker, I think that he's a really strong play. From the Bulls side of the game, still dealing with all of the uh, Zach Levine out, the Chris Dunn is still out, but Laurie Markin is questionable to play. So I think we have to kind of wait and see what is their starting lineup going to look like because the Bulls have shuffled that around a lot recently and it's really impacted minutes, so it's hard to know what to make of them. Yeah, and uh, Paul Zipser is doubtful, and is Antonio Blakeney out too? There was an injury status yeah, he's up. Just he broke his wrist. Right, so there just aren't a lot of players that the Bulls have, and if Markinen misses the game too, then I think you kind of have to have some amount of fairly heavy Bulls exposure because they just don't have a deep rotation. Like, Justin Holiday probably has to play more minutes. He's only 3,400, so even in 20 minutes, I think Holiday would be fine. But he could play, you know, regular starters minutes. I don't I don't see that as really a crazy possibility. Um, 3,400 for Justin Holiday in a game with extra usage and potentially getting 30 minutes. I mean, that could be the best value play on the slate. And then Denzel Valentine, a little expensive. David Nwaba, a little expensive. But those guys are probably playing a lot, too. Maybe even Jerry and Grant. Like there, there are a lot of Bulls players to consider. But uh, Bobby Portis and Cristiano Felicio, I think, become really good plays if Markinen's not playing. Um, Cameron Payne might be a little bit pricey now, and it's a tough matchup. So against the Bucks starters as the starting point guard at fifty four hundred, 
unless we think Payne is going to play like 35 to 40 minutes, which I kind of don't, then I don't really think he's that good of a play, but maybe he's like a fringe play. Yeah, it's, uh, what did he play last game? Do you remember? Um, I think he was in the low 30s. I'll double check. Uh, he yeah, actually played only 20, defender also. he only played 23 minutes last game. It was a huge blowout and he didn't play the garbage time. Um, but he hasn't, he hasn't topped 32 minutes in a game yet this season. So I don't, I don't think it's reasonable to expect him to play 35 or 40 now. Uh, yeah, I'd say maybe he could be a fringe play. It's, I think it's really hard to know what to make of the Bulls minutes because I, I think that the number one example is you just look at Denzel Valentine, his minutes recently because he's played some really good games, and he seems to be one of the young players they should was part of their court going forward. But they haven't been able to find minutes from him consistently. I think they just play random guys, which makes it difficult for me to target. Do you kind of see it that way? Yeah, I think you're kind of just guessing, and I think like at least two Bulls players are probably going to have pretty big games for their prices. Um, so I don't think it would be a sensible strategy to fade them entirely because of that. But just keep in mind that you're probably guessing with the minutes, and I think it might make sense to just mix around the exposure and just have like some lineups with each of these guys or a bunch of lineups with just different combinations of any two of them because you probably will hit one of them. I, I don't think it's that likely that all of the Bulls players just do terribly against the Bucks. Yeah, and then definitely have to wait to see what the starting lineup looks like because maybe that'll indicate who's going to play or maybe Robin Lopez comes back. Justin Holiday starts, maybe Justin Holiday sits. We'll uh, hopefully have a little bit more news later tomorrow. Uh, next game is the Miami Heat at the Oklahoma City Thunder. From the Heat side of the game, Kelly Olynyk, Bam Adebayo, and James Johnson have all played extra minutes since Whiteside's gotten hurt, but they're all priced way up now, so I don't think any of them are particularly good plays. Uh, Goran Dragic at 6,600 I think is the most playable Miami Heat guy because he's the one who we see the most consistent minutes and production from. From the Thunder side of the game, Russell Westbrook at 11100 and Paul George at $7,600. Uh, that seems a little cheap for both of them to me. Uh, the other thing that we've talked a lot about recently is the Heat this year with Whiteside off the floor. Their games tend to be higher scoring. The Heat are a little worse on defense, but a little better on offense. Also play at a faster pace. So I think that Westbrook at 11,100 and George at 7,600 are both pretty good targets. And I think that if I was going way up to a stud, Westbrook would probably be my favorite first price, even over LeBron, just because LeBron's so expensive now. Would you agree with that? Or would you still prefer LeBron to Westbrook? No, I think I prefer Westbrook also because there's way less blowout risk for him. Like the Cavs are going to be 15 point favorites or so. The Thunder right now are six and a half point favorites. The Cleveland game is going to have a much higher total, but... I think that the total for that OKC Miami game is just too low right now. Like we're not seeing sharp money on the over yet at two fifteen and a half, but I'm gonna guess that we do because the Thunder. I guess it's it's been a trend for a while since they lost Andre Robertson that they just aren't very good defensively and their games are higher scoring. The Heat without Whiteside play higher scoring games. That total just seems a bit low. Um, so this game would potentially be stackable if not for the really expensive prices on the Miami side. But I do think there's value on OKC and. Westbrook is a safer play than LeBron because of the blowout risk that LeBron has. And he might just be a better play for his price anyway. Um, and I would also guess that he's probably lower owned because LeBron just, for whatever reason lately, has been much higher owned. Um, and then the other thing with LeBron is that Kevin Love is back. We didn't really 
mention this too much, but it cuts into LeBron's usage when Kevin Love plays. So I think we'll see LeBron kind of start to falter a bit going forward compared to what we've expected from him like the last month or so. Yeah, there definitely is going to be less usage for him there. And then something else I'm kind of curious by also is when Kevin Love is playing next to Larry Nance in the front court, it seems like they would play at a slightly slower pace because that's just a much bigger lineup than what they've been playing recently. Do you think that makes sense? Yeah, I would be concerned about that too. Uh, that's, I guess it's a lot different of a lineup than playing LeBron at power forward and then having like George Hill, Jordan Clarkson, Rodney Hood, or J.R. Smith, or Kyle Korver, like a lot more guards that are a lot worse defensively on the court. Um, I guess it's kind of it's kind of both ways though because Kevin Love is not good defensively and he tends to influence higher scoring games on both sides. But I think Kevin Love plus Larry Nance could, it's definitely lower scoring games with Larry Nance and Kevin Love than like J.R. Smith or Kyle Korver and Kevin Love. Like it's going to be bigger lineup. So I think, I think that point does make sense. All right. Uh, next couple games are pretty shitty. It is Utah at San Antonio. I don't really see any pricing value there. I think that that game is a fade. And then the next game is Boston at Portland. That's another game that should be pretty low scoring with two good defensive teams that play at slow paces. So that's another fade for me. Do you see it any other way for those two? Um, I don't think so. Let me just scan the prices here quickly because you're, you're throwing two games at a time at me. I don't I don't know how to handle it's, this. It's unprecedented. Yeah, it's, I, it's, I've never heard of anything like this. But let's see if I can adjust quickly. Uh, yeah, definitely nothing from the Spurs-Jazz game. and It's weird to me also, as you look up the pricing for the next game, the players aren't even priced down for a Jazz-Spurs game. They're all just at their normal prices. And that's a way... That's, that's as slow-paced and tough a matchup as any two teams could possibly have. Yeah, but I, the, the players are actually priced down a bit for the, um, the Blazers-Celtics game. And Nurkic is also questionable, so I think that could potentially open up some value. Um, Lillard and McCollum both have higher usage rates with Nurkic off the floor, and they don't. I don't think they really correlate with him much. I guess we'd have to double check on that. But Nurkic kind of just gets the ball in the post. Like I, he runs some pick and rolls with Lillard and McCollum, but he kind of just takes the ball in the post and scores himself. Like there, there isn't really much room for Lillard, McCollum, and Nurkic to all have big games unless it's a really high scoring game. And against the Celtics, I don't think that would be the case. Uh, so if Nurkic wasn't playing, then we'd have to look at guys like Zach Collins and Ed Davis. I think it's a bump to Lillard and McCollum. And then it probably makes Al Horford a little more playable. He's only down at 6,100 now. So a little easier of a matchup, too, for him if Nurkic isn't playing against him. So I think I'd consider Horford, Lillard or McCollum, um, Collins and Ed Davis. For those two guys, though, only if Nurkic is out. But I think there is a little bit of reason to be interested in the Celtics-Blazers game. Uh, definitely no reason to be interested in the Spurs-Jazz game, though. So here's my issue with the Portland side of the game. Ed Davis has already been priced up. kind of with the Ed Davis and Zach Collins have both been priced up a little bit with the assumption that Nurkic might not play. And then Lillard and McCollum at 88 and 6,500, that's kind of right around what their normal prices are. And it's still a tough matchup against the Celtics. Yeah, it is, but I think those prices are a little lower, and they do get the usage bumps. Uh, yeah, Ed Davis, let's see, he's at 4,400 4, is probably too expensive, but, and yeah, Zach Collins at 3,800, he was like mid-price for a while. I still think Collins would be a fine play. Ed Davis, I guess, would be more marginal. Um, yeah, I guess I'd call, I'd call Lillard and McCollum usable if Nurkic is out, but nothing special for sure. 
All right. Uh, the next game, the final game on the slate, the Atlanta Hawks against the Golden State Warriors. I'm sure that everybody's going to be excited about rostering Dennis Schroeder after his late scratch from Thursday night. And I don't really know what to make of the Hawks in this spot either. Schroeder at 6,800 now. Torian Prince at 7,000. John Collins could potentially play. He's missed the last few games. So I, I think that there's nobody who's really a particularly strong play from the Atlanta side of the game. Uh, maybe Schroeder if we knew for sure that he's playing before Locke uh, from the Warriors side of the game. Steph Curry is expected to play. The issue is that he's priced probably up to 10600 and it seems like he's going to have a minutes restriction for his first game back. So 10600 he's going to have all of the usage in the world. So I think there's a lot of upside in Curry, but I would have to know that he doesn't have a minutes restriction prior to lock. And then uh, I would assume Jordan Bell is probably going to start in place of Draymond Green, who missed last game, so he's a good play. And then Nick Young, still at 4600 is a good play because his price hasn't gone up too much, and there's still a lot of shots available for him with Durant and Clay Thompson out. And then um, Quinn Cook, who's been starting out a bunch of good games, definitely out of consideration now that Steph Curry's back. I'm sure you agree with that point mm-hmm. since we were recommending fading him for the last game when Curry was out. Yeah, uh, unless you're playing for the blowout and Quinn Cook gets garbage time. I mean, no, it's it, Quinn Cook is a bad play. He'd have to be, like, min-price now to be worth using. Uh, did you say the specific amount for Curry's minutes restriction? Does he have one? No clue. It was, uh, there was a press, at, uh, what was it? It wasn't a press conference. It was, like, a shoot-around. I saw a video. It was Steve Kerr being interviewed by some reporters, and he said that he wasn't sure if Steph was going to have a minutes restriction but that there was a good chance he would, and they would kind of figure it out, I guess, prior to the game. Well, if Curry's playing 30-plus minutes, I think he is a good play. I might prefer Westbrook, but a mini stack of Curry with Schroeder I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, No one's going to roster Schroeder after sitting, but I do think he's a really good play because the Hawks don't need to lose to the Warriors. Like It's a lot different of a situation than the Kings, who they're competing for draft position with. Um, the Warriors, I guess it, the Hawks want to lose as many games as they can, but it's less meaningful to lose to Golden State, who's in the playoffs. So I think Schroeder, I'm pretty confident he would play. Like I, I'd be 95% or more sure that he's going to play. He probably plays his regular minutes because even though it's a back-to-back, he he's had the rest with the first game. So I would probably use him with Curry and maybe even Bell and Young as like a mini stack. Um, the Warriors aren't very good right now without Durant and without Draymond Green and without Clay Thompson. Even with Curry, the spread for this game is only 10 points. And that might even be a little bit inflated. So I think the Hawks can keep the game reasonably close. Like, I would guess that the Hawks lose by less than 10. Maybe it's one of those situations where the Warriors are up 15 or so in the fourth and the Hawks end up with a backdoor cover. But there is a good chance the game stays close. And Curry might play 32, 35, something like that, minutes in a close game. So there's definitely some stack potential. And if John Collins is out again, which I think he is, then it's it's a little bit better for the Hawks front court too. So there's potential to use two or three players from both sides of this game. Yeah, how how comfortable would you be with the Hawks if we went on who's playing? Can you say that again? It kind of cut out for a second. How comfortable would you be rostering Hawks players if we didn't have confirmation on who was in and out prior to lock? Um, I think I would only want to stack them together. Definitely not very confident, but I think that there's 
enough upside there because everyone in this game should be fairly low owned. I mean, I think Curry will have some ownership, but I would guess that LeBron and Westbrook are higher owned. And then I don't think very many people have Schroeder. So they're not, they're not guys that I would use in too many lineups, but I would definitely consider having a few game stacks here. Okay, so that wraps up today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GRMBRDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at Preaching Sense. Have a good weekend, and we'll be back Monday.